Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. Guys of a Certain Age, the podcast is more persistent than someone selling Amway wow. with less value, but probably as much frequency. Robbie Koblenz talking to you through your earpieces alongside Art Shirley. And we don't know where Jay's at. He's actually out selling Amway. He may be selling Amway. MJ is what he's got. MJ. That's a pig Latin, isn't it? Jam. Jam. MJ. I mean, Jay should do a show completely in pig Latin. Oh man, that would be great. It would be great. Yeah. It'd be something. It, it, it's, we're pointing at the chair that I know, Jay the usually sits chair, in. Missing man formation. Yeah, yeah. the missing Jay formation. Yep. Oh, all right. How are you? Okay. Well, all right. the The mornings are a little cooler. Yeah, tonight was today was really nice. College football has started, which yep. means blistering cold will be around the corner, and yeah, we will be complaining right. about it Long being too corner. cold. Yeah, yeah exactly. Know. So. Sometimes just as college football is ending, it'll start being, you know, colder. Yeah. yeah. What, what did uh, I saw somebody uh, on one of my social media posts talk about um, the seasons in Mississippi. Summer, still summer. Yeah. Um, summer almost gone and Christmas. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. How many times at Christmas are we in shorts and oh, 73 man. degrees? More often than not, I would say. You know, I mean, like short sleeves and shorts. I mean, 75 degrees at best. It's you know? crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. All right, let's do some Geeks of the Week. You got uh, you got anything that's worthwhile for our listening people? It's in- 3.6 million worth of something, something uh, to you? But it depends. What is it? $3.6 million or $3.6 million? $3.6 million. Dollars. Bitcoins. <laughs> if it was 3.6 million J's. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Okay. Yeah. It would be priceless then, right? It would be that's priceless. Right. Uh, Spider-Man has surpassed Superman and Batman as in terms of most valuable comic now. For years and years and years, it was action number one, the debut appearance of Superman, which came out in 1938. And uh, just recently, Amazing Fantasy number 15, which is, saw the uh, debut of Spider-Man. The ni- Spider-Man. The Spider-Man in 1962. The Spider-Man uh, in 1962 uh, has now surpassed. It's selling. It sold for $3.6 million dollars. Whereas the most recent Superman, our action comics, uh, sold for three point two five million. Uh, Batman is it has been was second before, and now it's it's pushed a third. Uh, Detective Comics number twenty seven, which was the first appearance of the Batman, uh, went for two point two million dollars. So you may checking your, I mean nineteen sixty two. That's one that's almost possible for some folks to have. I mean it's the year I was born. So yeah, uh, but uh, I don't have it. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I would not be doing the podcast today. Or maybe I would be doing it just to elicit uh, buyers. But, uh, uh, yeah, so $3.6 million. That's unbelievable. For Amazing Fantasy. And then he got his, his own book shortly after that. He may have gotten his book own book right after that. I don't know if it was – I don't think there was another issue. Amazing Fantasy was uh, – um, uh, had no regular characters. You know, they would feature a different – story you know different kind of uh story and that's where they sometimes would use to launch uh different comic books and i don't think anything was as successful coming out of that as spider-man was so spider-man he was the spider-man to begin with correct i'm not sure about that i know batman was the batman so i know it was spider dash man Man. yeah then it became spider-man with the m capitalized yeah right and one more 
Yeah. So, One word, but M capital. I line. think so. Yeah. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I've, the, I've went through and read. I have a, a DVD collection, um, uh, comic books in PDF form on a, on DVD. And I have like the first 40 years of Spider-Man, which includes Amazing Fantasy. And then the first 40 years of the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and the first 40 years of the X-Men all. And you can't find those anymore. So I have a feeling they weren't licensed Marvel <laughs> products, but I've got them and they're on PDFs. And they're great. I haven't read them in a while. I haven't looked at them in a while. But I got through, you know, like the first several years of those. And I can't remember when the change came. Um, How clean are the scans? Uh, they're not bad. I mean, they are scans. So you see the uh, dot pattern in there, this printed page, as opposed to what you would see on Comixology where they go back and recolor them yeah. uh, to give them, you know, a, com- a computer color as opposed to uh, scan color. So they go back to the original line art, I believe, or, or do some kind of separation thing with those. Although some of the old ones on Comixology or DC Universe are still just scanned stuff. I'm looking at some uh, some things now that are just scanned copies. Uh, but they're pretty good. They're certainly readable. Now, you don't have the, you know, with Comixology and some of the other reader apps, you can double-click and it'll, it'll read it panel by panel as opposed to page by page. But I actually prefer, especially I'm doing my iPad Pro, which, you know, one of the reasons I got the larger one is because the, the page size is pretty close to a regular comic book page sure. size. Now, if you do the double-page spread, obviously not. But, you know, for most of those, the only you had a like a, a splash page would only be a single page, so it works pretty well. Yeah. And uh, some readers on the iPad, I think Good Reader is what I use to read those with. It actually works better than like Acrobat because it has a little bit of a uh, uh, of a filter to it that that kind of takes some of the whereas Acrobat is very crisp and clean and kind of accentuates the dot pattern. Yeah. Good Reader has a little bit of a uh, almost a, a blur thing to it that, that makes it a little bit easier to read. I thought I had Good Reader, but I guess I don't. Yeah. So. That's a great PDF app for iPad. Boy, you could spend so much money for apps. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, we should do a show that... The, That's a great idea. Our, our top five... Let's do it today. <laughs> No, yeah. we'll prepare actually for that. But yeah. yeah, that's because every time I think about possibly, and of course, next week, uh, Tuesday of next week, as we record this, Apple is going to have their announcements of the new phones that are coming out, right? California streaming. California streaming. Hmm. On such a September day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I always find myself thinking when it's time to get a new phone, am I ready to change to something other than iPhone? And and one of the reasons I don't, and of course this is by design, is that I've got so many apps yeah. that I use. You You're know, pretty locked into the Mac. Pretty locked though. into, the yeah, Apple that's, that's, yeah. That's right, yeah. So, friend of mine, we were having a conversation a couple of days ago, and he tried to make the move to a PC laptop. Yeah, he uses PCs to edit. Yeah, um, and so he's like, "Okay, I'm just going to make." But he's an iPhone guy, and uh-huh. he's going to iPad, and he's like, "Okay, I'm just going to make the break." And he bought a really nice fifteen, sixteen hundred dollar Razer um, laptop, yeah. uh, analogous to a MacBook Pro, and just couldn't get into it, mm. and. Uh, mail and calendar and but the the killer app for him was iMessage ah. so the ability the portability of doing um, electronic messaging with iMessage between your iPhone your Mac and your iPad is great because you can you can have that conversation happening from three simultaneous platforms yeah and it's very very convenient so yeah but anyway all right well cool beans cool beans um my geek is uh, is is kind of interesting um, of course, as we're recording this, this is September 10th. Uh, tomorrow will be the 20th anniversary of September 11. Um, but one of the other 
amazing things that happened in 2001. Not that September 11 was amazing. That was a kind of a misspoke. It's the 20th anniversary of the Fellowship of the Ring. Wow. Can you believe that? That is hard to believe. It is hard to believe. 20th anniversary of the Fellowship of the Ring. Wow. And so the New England, New England, New Zealand Post Office has uh, released a commemorative um, set of, I think it's six stamps commemorating the Fellowship of the Ring. And they're, they're really cool. They are stamps that are, they, it's like they've taken a, a frame of film uh-huh. and they have lifted part of that frame to be the stamp. And you can order them at uh, collectibles.nzpost.co.nz. Um, you can get all six of them, the full sheet, for $10.68. Uh, obviously, those are not legal tender for stamps and postage in the United States. Right. But apparently, if you use them in New Zealand, it will send your mail to Mordor. Oh, my God. So, that's at least cool. that's, that's <laughs> the hint. Yeah. But if you're a Lord of the Rings fan... But the it, problem is... Is that they're taken? They're delivered by hobbits, and they take <laughs> they take months and months to get there. They take when months they, and months you know, to get unless there. Unless you request the uh, the eagle transport. Yeah, there. but they're they're cool. You, you've got uh, you've got bag in. You've got the hobbits hiding from the um, the the rider, uh-huh. um, the Nazgul. I guess they weren't technically Nazgul. They're a ring race, right? Before they got on, on to the dragons. The, yeah, yeah, they were or so whatever they are. And um, you've got a. a 20 years ago, wow. 20 years ago, you got yeah. the the four hobbits celebrating at the uh, the last inn before right. they, they leave the Shire. You got the, um, oh, uh, Liv Tyler character who was, yeah. uh, not Gladriel, what was her name? I she was remember. so minimal in the books. But yeah, they yeah, the expanded character. Yeah. I so. need to go back and watch those again. It's been a while since I've the watched Balrog, them. The Balrog, yeah. and then them coming through the, uh, the, the, on the boats through the twin towers. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, those are, those are really cool. When did that movie come out? Was it around Christmas or was it yeah, in the it summer? Was, I thought it was at Christmas. So, it was Christmas. Yeah. It was, it was late. Uh, it was fall between Thanksgiving and Christmas. If I yeah. I think, it, I think it was a, a close to a Christmas release and it may have been the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy was probably the last movies I went to a midnight moving of. Oh really? Movie yeah, showing I, up. You didn't do one for a star Wars. It seems like I don't think I did. Okay. I don't think I did. So, okay. But, uh, of course, at that point, once the uh, the sequels came out for Star Wars, they had decided instead of doing a midnight show, oh, they would release Thursday. on Thursdays. They would, yeah, so yeah. that's what we did. We yeah. went on a we went on a Thursday. Yeah, for a couple of those. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Not not mid, not a true midnight yeah. show. I couldn't so. do a midnight anymore. Boy, I couldn't either. So, all right, well, that's uh, pretty cool, though. It, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I, it's hard to believe it's twenty years. It really is hard to believe. I can remember going to see that with uh, with Will, and uh, you know, just really, I think I'm sure Drew may have been too young. He would have been around, would have been seven, six or seven, depending on when it was, and uh, I guess he would have been seven, and uh, he may have been too young for it. But uh, anyway, it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I find myself watching the minds of Moria. Mm-hmm. Uh, sequence over and over yeah, again. Yeah, that uh, Peter Jackson did a great job uh-huh. of translating the books, uh, but the uh, Moria sequence is uh-huh. how I imagined it as a kid. Yeah, so, yeah. That's pretty cool. Pretty Ron Tibbet was with us when we saw it too. Oh, Ron so that's Tibbet. very cool. Yeah, Ron Tibbet, mm-hmm. founder of the Magnolia Independent Film Festival. Yep. So, all right, we're going to take a short break, then we're going to come back and talk the 55th anniversary of Star Trek and all the goodies. <laughs> Wow. 
All the goodies at Paramount <laughs> dropped. We'll be back in a second. Podcast, the final frontier. Was- These are the podcast of the guys of the certain age without Jane. That's really good. Very, very Shatner. Boldly going where no guy has gone before. Actually, we've been here before. Yeah, we've been here before. Boldly going where no one will go yeah, with that's us. That's right. That's right. Um, where all guys go alone. <laughs> <laughs> so the fifty-fifth anniversary of Star Trek's first fifty-five. Wow. Can you believe that? Uh, it's hard to believe. So uh, this week, uh, Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Dropped uh, quite a few little nuggets for uh, Star Trek Day. Yeah. Which uh, was, what, two days ago? Yeah. So, it was Tuesday, I think, September yeah. 8th. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, so, which I had no idea was a really? national holiday. Yeah. Well, of course, it's not really a national yeah. holiday. I so. guess it's the 55th anniversary of the release of the, of the debut of the first episode. Yeah. Okay. Which was not the pilot. No, it was not. It was, it was, yeah. it was uh, it was the it was the remake. So, um, several things. That, well, actually, it wasn't even the remake of the pilot. No, it was a whole new episode because yeah. they cut the they cut the pilot. Uh-huh. They didn't like several things. The network exec. It was the one about the salt vampire. I used to know every episode. I could identify. It was the cage. the The pilot was the cage. The pilot was the cage. Yeah. And then the remake was cut into a two episode. But the very first episode that debuted. Yeah. Was oh gosh, the one about the salt vampire, and I can't remember what it is. Salt vampire. Yeah. I'm looking it up. I know. You want to say man eater? I know that's not right. Yeah, that was guest starling. Hall of Oats. Yeah, the man trap. Man trap. Okay. So there was a salt vampire. Yeah. Yeah. She. The salt vampire disguised herself as an old love interest of Dr. McCoy's who had married somebody else. And uh, McCoy saw her as he knew her 20 years ago. Oh, uh, I vaguely remember that. And then she would trap people and she uh, there would be suction marks on their face, like a, like a suction cup mark of several of those on somebody's face as they drained the salt from the body of the... The people. Yeah, and so she looked like, uh, in, in real life, she looked like a Yeti with a suction cup on her right, face. Right, yeah. yeah. Gotcha, the man trap. Well, the suction cups were in her hands. Okay, all right. And then, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So um, what what we're seeing dropping from CBS all, no, Paramount Plus. Paramount sorry. Plus. Everything's uh, got a plus on it now. Everything's got a plus. So we saw the season two of extended preview of or trailer for Picard. Picard. Yeah. Did you see that? I did not see that. I I don't know how I feel about it because it feels like it's it's rehashing a lot of things because Q's involved and yeah. and I love John Delancey. Mm-hmm. Is John yeah, yeah John Delancey. Right. Yeah. Um who is great in Breaking Bad, by the way. Oh, he's great in everything. Well he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's fabulous in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, so they are going there's a time travel Yeah part to this thing you've got the board queen who shows up to get him through time because apparently you know q like he told picard the last time we saw him the you know the 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 trial is never over or whatever yeah and so they've got to go back to present time to fix the timeline to get current time and it's like 
Is this Star Trek for the voyage home? Yeah, all over they, again? They, they do the time travel stuff a little too much to me. Yeah, and Picard's like, there's several ways you can travel through time. And mm-hmm. and there, there's almost a mirror universe feel to it yeah. because, so anyway, so that dropped. Okay, and uh, they've already announced they're going to do a season three too. They said that, I saw that, uh, an article about that off of Picard. Yeah, yeah. so um, I'm assuming you will, oh, do you still have Paramount Plus? Or no, is it I don't have it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you, I had it, I got it back um, long enough to watch the third season of Discovery and got about four episodes in and just really didn't watch any more of it. So, really? Yeah, and I was not, I was, you know, not a huge fan of the original Picard, season of Picard. Uh, it was okay, but I mean, yeah. it just kind of. So this was the Discovery after the time jump. This yes, is the latest. Right, yeah. Okay. And it wasn't bad. It just, it didn't, wasn't enough to hold my interest. It just doesn't feel very Star Trek. It does it? not. Uh, and the one I'm excited about is the one that, goes back to Christopher Pike and Spock. Which, did you see the feature that was dropped on Strange New Worlds? I haven't seen that yet either. That's the name of that series, right? Strange Strange New Worlds. That's what I want to find out and see when that's coming out. Because I think Discovery Season 4 comes out in November. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'll probably do is let Strange New Worlds come out and maybe get close to wrapping that up. And may I may re up at that point and catch up on everything that I need to catch up so on. So it says twenty twenty one, but I don't know exactly when it's coming out. So the feature at the drop, they introduced a bunch of new characters. Well, old characters yeah. you know, new actors playing old characters. There's an Uhura. Um someone playing Uhura Uhura. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And a, a few other minor characters that we saw on the original series. Okay. Um but it just that looks Really, really, yeah. Really I'm good. most excited about that. I mean, I, I, I like Picard. Uh huh. Um, I liked. Um, I liked Discovery. Um, and like I said, I for the I first liked, two seasons, like Discovery, and especially like the second season more so than the first. And because of that, I went back and watched the first season and liked it a lot. I mean, yeah. like I appreciated it more. Uh, but then the third season, I don't know. I just for some reason, I and I like the. I think the whole cast and crew, everything behind it is very good. The production value is good. I really felt more comfortable with them being time jumped out of you know the old timeline, so you didn't have to worry about you know why why is their technology so much more advanced than it was on Shatner's Enterprise. Yeah. But um, anyway, so. Um, I'll probably will go back and try that again. Now there's some animated stuff too, right? Yeah, there. Well, one of the things on the cast and crew for Strange New Worlds, um, actress uh, Christina Chong plays Lanon yeah. Noonien Singh. Singh. Yeah, I was, don't remember her at all. No, she's supposed to be Khan's, uh, isn't she? Because Khan Noonien Singh was, yeah, Khan. Yeah, Khan. But who is Lan? I think she's a okay. This is on Strange New Worlds, right? This so it's, Strange it's New Worlds, Pike's timeline, yeah. right? So she must be a descendant of Khan, because Khan's not going to show up until later. And it's going to be Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Hopefully not. I like Benedict Cumberbatch, but I, I do. Too. I want my Khan to be Ricardo Montalban. I, you know, I I rewatch Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, does it hold up? It was okay. Yeah, but you know. Why are we retreading? That's what I just have a hard time with. I mean, Wrath that was what my whole thing with them because Rathacon is the best Star Trek movie, period, to me. By far. Yeah. And and so why try to retell that story again? Uh, yeah, I just never understood that. I mean, because I thought they, they, I thought the first Star Trek that, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people didn't like it. I thought it was fun. You know, I thought it was a good thing. 
but um, it, there's so many opportunities to do you know really new stories. I'm, I'm surprised that they're not trying to do that. So uh, Lon Noonien Singh has never been referred to before, so we yeah, have no idea who she character. is. Yeah. So. Um, and there's a scene I think where Pike's going Lon. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I have always been and always, always will yeah. be your con. <laughs> um, so, wow, that was kind of funny. So, all right, so Strange New Worlds has piqued your interest. You've got yeah. Star Trek Prodigy. That's the animated thing, right? Well, there's two animated. There's Lower Deck and there's Prodigy. Yeah, Lower Deck is the funny one, right? Are they both humorous? Prodigy is more kid-oriented. Yeah. Lower Deck is... Adult humor. Yeah, yeah, basically it was... All the red shirts, all the folks who weren't good enough to be on yeah. the bridge, uh-huh. you know, what's Has happening. Has that, that, a season of that's been out though, right? Or, yeah. 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 It's, and it's on Paramount Plus it's only? It's on Paramount Plus as well. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but Star Trek Prodigy, I think it's supposed to hit Nickelodeon. Yeah. And, so, and it looks good. I mean, the production value, that looks really good. And so you got Janeway. Yeah. And uh, who else is on, did uh, Picardo make it, Richard Picardo who played the uh, doctor. Yeah, I think he may be involved yeah, with it too. Which he may be my favorite. He may be my favorite Star Trek doctor of all time. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, please state the nature of your medical mm-hmm. emergency. Um, so, which all this leads me to the the not the legacy of Star Trek because you know Star Trek is is a very important part important part of um, of sci fi. Yeah, and but. <sighs> Is CBS trying too hard? I think they may be. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're in danger of. Well, one thing is, it's limited. You have to get on Paramount Plus. So you know, so you, it's not like it's oversaturating the oversaturating. Oversaturating. Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, the broadcast airwaves, but uh, yeah, it just seems like they. It seems like to me that they're they're throwing a lot of ideas out there and hoping something sticks. And they, I think they've, regardless of how, how I felt about it, I think they had pretty good success with Picard. Uh, yeah. I think that was that was well received. But you kind of wonder, you know, are they going back to the well too often with that? Would that have not worked better as just a limited, finite series? Sure. And and you know, why do you why do we keep going back to? It? Of course, we you know we all love uh, Jean Luc Picard and want to see his his adventures and stuff. But Patrick Stewart doesn't need the money anymore. Hey, I wouldn't think so unless he squandered it really <laughs> with all the uber eats yeah know. that's right yeah. but i mean but with the x-men franchise and, and 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 star trek i would think he would be okay so if you recall back in the mid 90s early 90s when upn launched the united paramount network mm-hmm. and um that was that you, you had abc cbs uh nbc and then fox launched in the in the early early 80s and um, then Paramount tried to launch their own broadcast right. network. And their flagship was Voyager. So um, they produced Voyager that was only going to air on UPN affiliates. Right. And, and by that point, we'd already had Next Generation. Next Generation and wound Space, down. And Deep Space Nine was and winding down. It was, was winding like down. Their third or fourth season yeah. in there, right? Yeah. Because that's what they would do. Like Deep Space Nine came in as as Next Gen was I think four seasons in. There was like yeah, yeah two so three have, season overlap. Yeah, so you could have some crossover, and and so they kind of did the same thing with with Voyager, except you could only get it, and if your cable 
system, which mine did not, yeah. didn't have it, you couldn't see it. So what we would do, this is when I was at Channel 5 here uh-huh. in Starkville, uh, we found, we, we carried a couple of Paramount programs, but they wouldn't let us carry carry Voyager uh-huh. because after they, they realized they couldn't clear the market uh, for a TV station in the Columbus West Point Tupelo ADI, mm-hmm. um, then they allowed CBI to air Voyager late nights. Yeah like late night on, on Saturdays and I begged them and begged them and begged them said, Hey, let us, let us air, you know, air it, um, you know, at, at, like late prime time. Yeah. 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 Something like um, that because we were airing other paramount pieces right. and they, they, they would never let us oh. I- engage in that. But we had the satellite coordinates for the paramount network. So, <laughs> so I, you were able to get them from the feed Monday night. I would record it every oh, time that nice. I would go home and watch it. Yeah, so it was great. A, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I still think the Voyager theme is the best Star Trek series. I think theme. Voyager is kind of an underrated series. I really think it was a good series. I think yeah. that it, you know, suffered from, uh, the UPN experiment. Yeah. Uh, but you, you get into season three of, of Voyager and it really finds its legs. And to me, it's the most like the original series. I thought so too. Of, yeah. of any of the In series. terms of structure, in terms of, I mean, Next Generation obviously was, was supposed to be more like the original series and it found its its own, uh, you know, its own voice, I guess. I mean, it, it became something different, especially, I, you know, originally... Uh, I think Picard was supposed to stay on the ship and you'd have Riker who would be the one that went out and had the adventures. And then, you know, it turned to where, you know, not that Riker didn't, but Picard was, you know, out there doing as much stuff as possible. But um, there was a feeling of the universe already being explored in the next generation. Whereas with the original series, you felt like everything was unknown. Every time they went to a planet, they may have heard of it, but they it was were pretty a, much a new discovery. They were on a five-year mission. Right. You yeah. know, and so Voyager kind of recaptured some of that because they were you know, in a lost Delta Quadrant or whatever. And, yeah. Uh, lost in the Delta Quadrant. And, um, and so everything was new. So you know, they were able to kind of bring that newness back to it. Another series, I don't know how much you watched Enterprise. I watched, uh, I watched that probably... Up until the like the last season, I, I really enjoyed Enterprise. I thought Enterprise was good too, and I had a little bit of a problem with that because you know it was a kind of prequel thing, but that they were able to make that work. They did. Uh, I didn't like the finale of Enterprise. I thought that they kind of kind of messed that up to me. Where it's the the whole Bobby Ewing on Dallas yeah, or something yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, kind of stuff. The entire show was was Riker and, yeah. and Troy in a hollow hollow deck. Yeah, so it's just kind of you know I mean uh, to me. But I thought it was I thought it was a good a good series. I thought uh, there were a lot of things that I enjoyed about that. So if you were the Star Trek showrunner, yeah. what would you want as the next series? Where would you want to be? Well, I think, like I said, Strange New Worlds is very close to where I would want to be. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think the idea. I, I I think you go back to what Roddenberry's you know vision was. It, you know, he's called it Wagon Train to the Stars. So you have this this crew on this ship. Um, you know, that's, that's going out and they're making social commentary through science fiction writing. So you're, you're, you're meeting, you're going to a world or whatever, and there's a certain problem that mirrors what's going on in the real world. And you're able to tell that, tell about that problem and comment on that problem. Uh, not necessarily provide a solution to that problem, at least comment on that through science fiction. I think that's what works worst worked the best. And then, you know, from the beginning, Roddenberry's always had a diverse crew, uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting along. I mean, I was watching 
in honor of Star Trek Day, I watched a mock time uh, again on Amazon Prime, which is the first episode of season two and the first time we see Chekhov. Uh, and they brought him in. Uh, they brought him in to kind of gap- capture the uh, younger audience because they tried to make him look like Davy Jones from the Monkees. But um, it also they had a Russian in there, which at the time was you know kind Ooh. of a yeah that's right those were our enemies. Mm-hmm. So this idea that in the future there's going to be a brighter day, and that's something I think sometimes gets lost in modern Star Trek. And I think they try to be well. This may be in Roddenberry's vision, but we're going to be more adult and we're going to show a, you know a grittier you know world mm-hmm. not getting along well that's just because that's fashion right now that's what works on tv sure. you know uh downer tv is more popular until ted lasso came along and they were wait a minute why is this working so um so anyway i'd like to get back to that and i hope stranger worlds will do that you know i it would be really interesting what i somebody we need to get on the show is um, my buddy mark largent who's in dallas and he has done several star trek parody animated oh really yeah so he did one called a mutt time okay and the uh city on the edge of foreclosure oh that's great so i don't i'll have to look for those you yeah. have to, and but it, are they in the style of like the star trek animated series or that's just kind of a what? it's it's 3d stuff not unlike what you oh, were what trying, I was trying to, to do yeah, yeah not, okay yeah. yeah so uh i think a mutt time was originally a comic book parody that yeah. he published and okay. then he uh he animated it so uh, that name again was Steve Largent? Mark Largent. Mark Largent. Steve Largent was a tight end for the Sea Havel Okay, Seahawks. I knew the name's familiar. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. the same guy. Yeah, no. Yeah. Mark, Mark Largent. Mark actually went to the W. I okay. think he's from, he may be from the Columbus area. But okay, that's very cool. You need to, uh, we're friends on Facebook. You yeah, I'll check that out. But um, some of his Star Trek parody animated movies have won pretty high at wow. several different film festivals. That's so. awesome. That's really, um, really cool. But yeah, The City on the Edge of Foreclosure. I like that. That's, a, that's brilliant. So, um, I would be curious to see what Mark thinks Star Trek should do. I, I, I'm like you're you're a bigger Trekkie than I than I am. Uh-huh. I, I really enjoyed Next Generation in in the movies. Um, I I feel like maybe it's time for a new Star Trek movie, not a franchise. Kel- yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so too. Not a I, and I think you know. I mean, they keep saying we got to go back to Kirk and them, which I love that. But I think it's time to do something different. I think it is too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's really time to uh, to explore some new possibilities with it. I would love to see Riker as an admiral or something kind of very in cool. a command position, mm-hmm. and um, where you've got a new crew that's introduced. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I think that would be very cool. I think that's that, that's a that to me makes a lot of sense to do that. But how crazy is it? You know, fifty five years later, a TV show that had. Two and a half seasons, three seasons on NBC was unceremoniously canceled. Yeah, and then got revived. It was it was probably it was the first show that I know of that was revived over fan petitions. Yeah, and then just yeah. because it, I mean, syndication, it became such a huge thing, such a, a cult phenomenon, and then all of a sudden, hey, look, you know. And, and and then uh, the motion Star Trek the motion picture came out seventy nine seventy nine right yeah mm-hmm. so you know of course falling on the heels of Star Wars Paramount's right. like hey we've we've uh-huh. got something in that that can jump on this yeah but you know it, it's amazing to me that Roddenberry's original vision has lasted fifty five years really yeah I mean like I said I think that there's some changes to it but I think in terms of what 
Star Trek truly is and what people love about it is Dale Roddenberry's vision. And I think that's amazing when you think about that, especially in terms of television. You know, books, literature, you see those things kind of come and go. You know, people rediscover, you know, certain books. We've talked about Foundation, Mm -hmm. you know. But um, but something that's on television, especially something, like you said, was canceled after three years. I mean, it really should have been just another lost in space, you know, in terms of that. Although that they tried to bring back that bring that back and have been less successful with that. Although I do think that the current series is a lot of fun. Is there a third series playing? Yeah. For? Uh-huh, that's going to be the final one. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's been a lot of fun, but it never had that kind of continued following that no. Star Trek has had. Well, Star Trek and Dr. Who, I yeah. mean, you know, 50 years plus for both of those just kind of endearing it is really strange it's it hard, is. hard to believe in it now did you ever watch star trek the animated series i'm not going to go off on it you know i vaguely remember it as a kid but yeah. not a whole lot i i remember liking it yeah i thought and it, was, it was it was it was a little you know aimed at a younger audience but the the writers and the you know the producers and stigma behind it were a lot of them came from the original series dc fontana was very involved and so the stories are really pretty good stories in fact uh alan dean foster did uh adaptations of them they usually take three series three episodes per book and fleshed them out and they really really held up together yeah gonna be good stories alan dean foster splinter of the minds yeah yeah that's right which is one of the the best it maybe i think that was the first star wars novel it was yeah other than the uh which the novelization which he did that he wrote that i mean of course it's from lucas's script but uh, yeah, his the that was and of course we've talked about this before. That was supposed to be if we if we don't get enough money to do a, a, a really good sequel, what can we do? What can be our bargain sequel? So they yeah. set everything on one planet, and you know, it's, so that's but it holds up real well. I read it recently, you know, wow, and, uh, holds up. Splinter in the mind's eye. All right, that's our rambling. Let's live long and prosper, huh? Well, uh, uh, yeah, that hurts my hand when I do it sometimes. <laughs> so we just flash the spot at each other, as opposed mm-hmm. to what what was Mork from Oryx. It was Nanu, 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 Nanu. But how did he do it? He, I, he was it that? Yeah, I think it was yeah. the two fingers in the middle. Two fingers in the middle, yeah. and mm. yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, guys, that does it for this week. Hopefully, we'll have Jay next week. We need to talk uh, Shang Chi and the the ten yeah, rings. Yeah, I plan on seeing that this weekend. Phenomenal, Good. absolutely phenomenal. So awesome. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.